Welcome to Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. I am Amy Jo, MD. I've got Dr. Sunshine here with me, Dr. Nono, hey. and Dr. Chris. Yeah. We are back for another round. Again, as always, thank you all so much for all the love. We appreciate it for all the text messages and the Facebook messages, Instagram, those who have found their way to our website, more about that later. We really appreciate all the love we're getting. Uh, it's been fun to hear your feedback, to do this show with these wonderful ladies. So can I thank you enough? So welcome. We'll get this started. I would like to say before we start that um, I am feeling particularly festive. It is actually a homecoming week at Howard University. H-U, you know. And I was supposed to be in Washington, D.C. this entire week, including this weekend when we're recording. And there are a lot of awesome, fun virtual things going on in virtual land for Howard University. Um, and some of you guys were supposed to be joining me there. I know me and Dr. Chris and I think no, no. And maybe y'all were supposed to be with me on the yard and hopefully like Mm -hmm. Drake was supposed to be there and all types of stuff. Ah. Um, (laughs) But because of, because you know, Howard Homecoming, sometimes it's like, oh, Drake showed up. Oh, Diddy's here. Like, oh, who is that? Like, it's the typical. Um, But because of COVID, we're all celebrating at home and doing these Zoom meetings and stuff, um, which has humbled us yet again. Um, but I'm still festive on the inside and I like did a little post. I had my little shirt on and all that. So kudos to all of my fellow Howardites out there in the world. Um, so yeah, and we, and I have my, you know, glass of wine sitting here with me as always, but yeah, festive in the heart. (laughs) 2021, we are all there. I am, I'm looking forward to it. Here is the 2021. May our COVID be non-existent. I know. And y'all are always welcome to our Howard homecoming with me. I mean, all you need to know is just one person <laughs> and you're in there. We already know one person. We got one. Right. We're in. We're in. We're right. in. Where's my VIP pass? We're good. <laughs> Even if I didn't know anybody, I probably just would show up like, hey, what's your name? Yeah, I graduated. What's up? What's yeah, up? you know, what year, what year were you? Yeah, I was in the same year. You know, the girl you know, in the back. You know the funny thing? You know the funny thing about all HBCUs is that once you say, or once they assume that you go there, they're going to ask you a follow-up question. You're going to be like, uh. But usually follow-up question is something <laughs> stupid. Like, right. oh, what dorm, what dorm were you in freshman year? Because they like to rep the dorms. Like, they're like, like they're real neighborhoods. And you'll be like, uh, I don't know, the new one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to oh, that. you did not go here, the new one. And first of all, ain't no new dorms on HBCU. <laughs> 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 Everything is historic. <laughs> so there were no like brand new dorms when we were there. That is anyway, but yeah. I would get I mean, I took a road trip down there like last weekend, uh, just because my dad and mom uh, met there. And I mean, I wish I wish I went to HBCU. Like y'all, the the dorms, the the yard, like just like being in that experience is just it's something else, you know, and that's something that I feel like, you know, we didn't get, you know, going to my my undergrad back in Michigan. But, you know, yeah. it's just it's just like a good positive energy. It's just like people who you haven't seen in forever and even people who you've never even met. They just went to your college and you guys have that in common. That's literally it. Everybody has like high energy and there's cookouts and there's food and there's music and there's everything. So it's just a good vibe. Um, and it just sucks that like it's basically just like a festival, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it just sucks that, you know, COVID took away another thing. But like uh, Dr. Chris and Amy Joe said, hopefully 2021 will uh, lead to better days. That's all. <laughs> all right. So we're going to start with uh, the trending in medicine topic. 
And I mean, I know COVID is something that we probably should talk about, but not going to do that. Going to talk awesome. about... Cardi yes. B. Yes. <laughs> We're like, gonna no, talk about not. Cardi B. No, I'm not. I'm, gonna do that. I'm like, hopefully she's not. My gosh, Cardi, <laughs> Cardi. So honestly, let me just tell y'all, Cardi. In my mind, I think we're friends. Like, I really, <laughs> I really like her. But you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. When she was on New York, uh, what was it? Love and Hip Hop New York. Couldn't mm-hmm. stand her. Couldn't stand her. But then after she came out with her with her album, her rap album and her songs, love her to death. We friends forever. Anyway, <laughs> in my mind, in my mind, I don't really know her, but in my mind, we're friends. Now so, we know what was in uh, now we know what was in Dr. Chris's um headphones when she was sitting right. there writing those notes when we were resident. Right. Right. You know, Bodak Yellow was huge when we were in residency. What? It was everywhere. Yes. The whole city of Chicago was fucking Bodak Yellow. Yes. Oh, oh my God. When that song you know, comes on, we're yeah. all like, fuck. Singing you know, every club, every lounge you want to, sir. For sure. Yes. I, so, I will share that Dr. Chris listened to a little too much Cardi B before clinic one time, and that day did not go well. I was like, you can't listen. I'm like, I'm like, you can't listen to Cardi B in the morning before you see all these patients. And before, I'm like, this is not, she she came in so aggressive. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Dr. Chris, what's wrong? I think She's I remember like, oh. that day. Yeah. <laughs> I know, because Dr. Chris is normally real chill in the morning. Like, hey, good morning, everybody. We can get my mm-hmm. day started. Where's my first patient? But that day, mm-hmm. She was hype. Like, She's a little hype. Ah, ah. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, wait, I got the. You guys got the hype, Chris, and I got the very chill. Want to go home on Friday, Chris? Like that was that was my night with Chris. Oh yeah, walking in late with Starbucks, Chris. <laughs> well, that doesn't change because she's always late. She's always late. That that does not change. She's it doesn't <laughs> till this day. Till this day. Like my MA already know. Like if she don't see me on time, she don't even bother to call to find out if I'm coming. She know I'm gonna get there. <laughs> she know I'm gonna get there. I be like, just just put them in the room. I, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. be late for my patients. Those spaz. <laughs> they are high anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I try. I, I'm trying to be better, y'all. But I'm a work in progress, like everybody else. But I'm trying. <laughs> But I didn't mean to interrupt you. Tell us about Cardi. What were you saying? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So (laughs) I don't know if you guys heard. So apparently um, there's this big talk about her her picture, her breast picture that got leaked. So um, she said that she accidentally leaked a picture of her breast. And you know what? I actually believe that she actually she accidentally did this because like most people, when they say they accidentally sent a, a naked pic, you're like, you didn't accidentally send it. But I think she kind of did. But anyway, um, there were people were kind of were asking like, um, oh, like her areola is is this normal? Like, why does it look like that? Why do her breasts look like that? And what are your thoughts about this, guys? What do you think? Lies. Have we have we all seen the picture? Have we I all mean, seen? The picture? I mean, yes, so I'm I like I'm always the last person to hear about these things. I got the picture from Amy Joe. 
Um, Don't be putting me out here on these here uh, internet. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I don't know what you, you could have said. On, but I, I discovered the source. I too saw. Everybody else just right. said yes, right? You know, so, I saw the like, picture. I saw the picture. Doctor Nono was like, "Well, I wouldn't have saw the picture until right. Amy Joe." You know, that is exactly and, what I'm saying. I would never have discovered this picture unless one of y'all had sent it to me, and that is exact. That's exactly what happened. I mean, so people should know that you know you stole your areola. Uh, so medical term alert. That is the uh, area of darkened skin that is around your, your nipple area. And your the size of that areola differs from person to person. So I know a lot of people were saying that Cardi B's areolas look bigger than normal. But, I mean, what is what is normal? You know, so what is a normal is, size for areola? Right. right. And, that's the, and that's the whole thing. Because, like, there is no real normal. Like, every every areola it differs and it all depends right because like every woman's breast is is different different sizes so like if it if you have bigger breasts then you probably might have a bigger areola area just because that's just how it is usually your areola i think they say it's usually about a third of the size of your breasts a lot of times and even like and if you gain weight right it can get bigger but if you lose the weight it might just still stay the size it was before you lost your weight. So I think what surprised me was, and I didn't get to see a whole lot. I mean, I got, I did get hold of a picture, but before I even saw the picture, mm-hmm. I didn't, I saw like the commentary of, you know, mm-hmm. the picture before. And I was surprised at the amount of lies being told uh, about wh- what folks wouldn't do if breasts look like that and even women that were like, Oh, you know, look at her breasts. And I'm like, women tend to be, you know, more social. We've all had to be in gym or we've all had to go swimming and we've all had to shower. And so I think women have a good idea that breasts look differently from, from woman to woman. Mm -hmm. So I am quite surprised at the outrage and the shock and awe about what her breasts look like because those really do look like normal breasts. As a doctor, you mm-hmm. see breasts all the time, especially when you work labor and delivery um, or somebody comes in, they have a lump. I did not see anything terribly abnormal that should have given anyone pause. So I just think they were giving our girl Cardi B a hard time. And I suppose that's the day and age we live in. But y'all, those are very mm-hmm. normal breasts. Yes, I agree. And I, I, I co-sign. So can I give the shameless plug though? Since we're of talking course. about breasts, of All right. course, do it. Go ahead. In honor of Cardi B and her breast and breast everywhere, oh, yes. um, get your mammogram, please. Right, mm-hmm. it's October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we are pushing on our all of our platforms to get your mammogram. If you are forty years of age and up, it is time to have a discussion on when to start those mammograms and how often to do them. So. You all should go and get them. It's harmless. It's real easy. They've got the 3D ones now. They're really cool. So, And we are very aware that we're hitting this point twice in the same month because that that should that should basically hit home for you guys how important this is. So we're not doing it on accident. We're doing it on purpose. <laughs> go get yeah. them. Get it done. Right. Okay. That's all. Moving on to Megan Markle. She had uh, talked and um, I think it was, I saw it on a news interview, I believe it was, that she was uh, comparing, saying that um, social media 
addiction is kind of like a drug addiction. So she was just saying how um, when she was, you know, before they broke away from the royal family, that they had their whole social media that they were doing, but they weren't really managing it and how she had taken a break from social media because it was just too much and real toxic. And she's just just saying that um, that she's noticing now that it's more like a drug addiction. And during the pandemic, that it's probably gotten worse, that people have been more addicted to social media, looking on things, posting things a lot more. So, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I'm not really all that big on social media, like everybody that's true. Really knows me. Oh, we know, we know. I'm annoying. Annoying. You are so. ghosts on social media. Do you oh. even know your passwords to your social media account? That's all I want to know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I know you don't. No. And I'm not even on social media that much to the point where my best friends make fun of me because I'm not on it. I'm like, if you think I'm bad, y'all haven't met Dr. Chris because Dr. Chris like oh, does not exist. I'm, I'm horrible. The only thing, someone convinced me to get Instagram. I don't even have Facebook. And- Your sister. <laughs> let me let me tell you dr chris you posted something about the chocolate mds on your instagram page and it came across my feed and i was hyped because i was like yo we got on the follower and i looked closely and i was like oh it's dr chris that's how much <laughs> that's how rare that you're on it I, I legit was hyped like yo somebody's promoting us and i'm like who is this i clicked on it and i was like oh Hey, Dr. Chris. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's just like, so for me, I guess I can't really talk about it as like it's an addiction because I'm barely on it. But I do have to say that when I do get on it, sometimes I'm looking through pictures and I would waste like a good hour or two just scrolling. I'm not posting though, <laughs> but I was just scrolling. So. But you know what though? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what generation Meghan Markle's in. I think she's like 38 or 39. So I think she might be on the cusp of millennial and the one above that. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people in, I'll say our gen- generation, I'm a millennial. Um, most of us, I feel like have been taking a step back recently from social media, even before the social dilemma documentary came out on Netflix. And that mm-hmm. documentary is amazing. If you guys haven't watched it, you yeah, should. For sure. I've heard. But I, I feel like- But I feel like a lot of people in our generation are taking a step back because we're the generation that actually knows a life before tech took over. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we're playing outside and yeah, we had like Nintendo and stuff, but we had a lot more social interaction growing up. And then tech came and we, of course, we had the progression of like the cell phone and computers and things like that. And then it's taken over our whole world to the point where it's made a lot of us feel like taken aback, kind of like, wow, like tech is really controlling my whole life and we can kind of step away from it. But we're different from this generation, Generation Z, who was born into this and they know nothing but this. And their life revolves around like, you know, just social media and, and their self-esteem is is directly tied into it and how they interact with people on the internet and it directly affects them and they're getting depression and anxiety and and they they take it so personally. Like everything is so... Like it's just different for them. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Definitely is. So it's not just Megan. A lot of people in our generation are taking a step back off of social media. I mean, I personally, I mean, I have promoted this show, but before we started doing the show, I was actually gonna get completely off of social media. And I was like, ah, I kind of need to keep it. It's cool. I'll keep it. Yeah. So me being like the social media person for the group, I am on it at 
probably like an unhealthy amount like per day. So I, I will admit to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I also think I, I think it's kind of a double edged sword. Um, there's some people that use social media kind of as their primary source of uh, like as a news outlet. Um, because, I mean, there's a lot of uh, I hate to say those words, but like fake news that are out there. Um, and some people feel like they can use social media as their only way to get like actual news about what's going on in the country. Um, but then, you know, there, you have that other group of folks that are, you know, get very overwhelmed about the constant, because even back in our generation, you know, we didn't have like this constant, you know, relay of, uh, news of, you know, keeping up with things that are going on constantly in the media you were able to take a step back from that. But I feel like in these current times, just in 2020 in general, like we're unable to do that. And people feel the need to be glued to their phones 24-7 so that they don't miss anything that's happening that could potentially affect them personally and go on from there. So um, I, I think- But how important, how important is that thing that's happening? Is it more important than what's happening like in real life? Well, some people- like, in, use- in front of you? Well, I mean, some people are using their phones like to in order to keep, you know, in touch with what's happening in real life. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, it's not something that they can just watch the local news or they can just watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. You know, like it's it's something that they feel that they need to, you know, have several different outlets that they can compare the news to and then kind of compile that and make their own decision on okay, this is what's going on. Let me follow up on this and make a comment on it. But, you know, the irony is that the news runs the same update all day. Like, it cycles through. Like, if you've ever gotten home from work and turned on, I don't know, CNN Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. some news station, you will, if if you leave the TV on long enough, you will run out of that storyline and it will reset and you will do it again. So, Right, right. You know, when people say, you know, I've got to be on there because I need the update. Um, I don't know that that's news that they're following. I think it's more of the this, this social network component. Who's on? Who's liking, you know, your post? Who's doing this? Now, I'm I'm, I'm more like Dr. No-No because I probably, second to her out of the four of us, spend the second most amount of time on um, social media um, cause I'm not responsible for the original post, but I definitely will copy and paste it to death to put it back out there. <laughs> well, yes, you do. <laughs> you know what? I appreciate about, I appreciate that about Amy Jo MD. You know why? Because she is very adamant about brand building and I, I love it. And whether, whether it's her like actual name as a doctor, like that's a brand, like this mm-hmm. podcast is a brand. Everything is a brand. So she's like, yo man, I'm here to promote my brand. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, da, 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 da. like <laughs> I know you all are putting my, putting my words to practice. It's funny. So when I was, uh, when I was, well, I can't even say when I was chief. Cause I think I said even before that, like, you know, we would be having meetings and I would tell the residents, like you are your brand, right? Mm-hmm. Once you decided to go to medical school, you don't sell anything but you, right? So somebody pays you for your intellectual property. Somebody is trusting that whatever your secret thoughts in your brain are going to keep someone alive or going to keep someone safe and healthy. So medicine and and other thing in other industries not just medicine but for us since we're doctors 
medicine is unique because we don't sell anything to make money. Mm-hmm. We literally show up and use ourselves. And outside of our board exam and stuff like that, once we are certified, that's that's the patient's last line of trust, right? Except for like, you know, state, you know, state board programs, you know, your boss doing your evals and stuff like that. Like when I walk in the room, like that I am the product. So I would tell the residents, and y'all have heard this too over and over, like you are your brand. So the irony that we're now sitting here running a podcast, you know. <laughs> I want to support Dr. Nono's hard work because I love it. So when the pictures go up, yeah, I think it's because of her. I know how to use Instagram better. So if I have an addiction, I would like to blame Dr. Nono in his moments. She threw me under the bus about the card. So if I am addicted, it's because Dr. Nono's got me out here. That is fake news. I did not start that. That It's always good for people to sit back and reflect on your use of social media. I'm not saying that you have to cancel it all. I'm not saying you have to delete it or anything like that. But I do think that it's good to, especially, especially, I talked to my little brother about this, like, especially like if you were in a good mood all day and you got on social media and then now you're in a bad mood, like the fact that like whatever you saw or whatever like happened, or if if something is impacting your day and it changes your whole mood and throws you off, messes up your your zen, your chi, I mean, you need to sit back and really reflect on that. Like, Mm -hmm. do you really need this exposure from whatever you just got that kind of threw off your whole day? Because you were fine before you just got on this this app. So what, what are we doing here? But I feel like if you're responsible and take time to reflect, I think that you can kind of keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think I think to call it, so kind of going back to the, the initial point, I think it's kind of a stretch to call it like a true addiction, I think. So really when something is, is an addiction, it typically impairs your quality of life. You know, you're unable to function in you know society so you're unable to do things from day to day you know like going to work getting up at, and doing things throughout the day so there are some people that do fit that criteria and you know definitely need some intervention to decrease their social media use but you know like dr sunshine said if you find out that when you log into social media and you just you know really feel you know crummy and you know just feel down you know after seeing a bunch of posts you know, put the fun down and step back and just, you know, go do something else for a little bit. Like it's, it's going to be there when you come back, but you know, it's not something that you need to be tuned into 24 seven out of every single day. So that's where we probably differ a little bit. I think addiction is definitely the right word. When you, when you actually look into how social media works and how they are yearning to keep you engaged and how you look forward to the like and how they've structured it so that you are more incorporated into the app because there's other people liking things and you like to, you search for, you yearn for the notification. You yearn for people liking this. You want people to like it. You want people to see it. And every time you get that like, and every time people see it, there's like a little dopamine thing that goes off in your brain. And it's like, oh my gosh, that feels good. Oh my gosh, that feels good. And people Mm -hmm. yearn for that attention. That's why they post more. That's why they do more. And there are some people where if you tell them that they can't look at their phone for an hour, they will struggle with that because they'll be like, oh man, where's my phone? Oh man, where's my phone? And they just, there are lots of, especially the teenagers. I don't know if you've been around a teenager lately, but if you have cousins, (laughs) if you have cousins and God kids, they are like addict. I really do think they are addicted to it. And it's, 
yeah. it's a problem. It 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 really is. Yeah, yeah. I've even yeah. seen um on some talk show. I forgot which talk show I was watching. I if it if I have an addiction, it's probably the TV. I watch way too much TV. Anyway, um, <laughs> you I watch trashy I, TV too. You I watch do. I watch. TV. I just you can put the TV on. I watch it. It it don't matter. <laughs> but I saw. I do remember watching a talk show. And they were talking about this. They had this lady. I forgot her name. She came out. She had a book and everything and how she was trying to train people how to like turn off their phones because it's really that bad. And then I was looking, I was like, wow, it's really that serious. But it is, it is a problem for some people. And I think also people who this is their livelihood, like some people, their business and everything is run on social media. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly have to be on it, you know? So and that's when the change happened. The change happened when we basically merged a phone and a computer into one device because not people, you know, they can look at their stocks, mm-hmm. now they look at their email and everything is on this phone to the point where you are like, it's not even just you're addicted to social media. Sometimes it's just a device. You know what I mean? Like people are on their device constantly and it's just, you know, and of course, like with every good, there's a bad and that's what happens with everything, with technology, with, you know, changes in politics or whatever, but you know, I just think it's time for us to take a moment and step back and be like, hey, like for as much good as this does, there's also some bad. How can we improve it? How can we do better as a people? You know what I mean? That's all. Right. I mean, it's crazy to think that circa what, like 2000, you know, everything that we had was separate. So like I had my little CD player with the shock absorber like function. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I had my, uh, I had my like MP3. They used to have like little cassettes you could put in the MP3 to like play your, play oh, your music. Oh, the little clips. Yes, the clips. Yes, those. And then what else do they have? And then you have the flip phones, of course. You have the, oh, the what's the one with the walkie-talkie? I forgot. The, the two-way? Oh, the two-way, the, Nokia, yes. the Nokias. Yes, and the sidekicks where you can flip it up and like do the little text messages there. You know, like. The so sidekick. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, my oh. God. So people, for our younger viewers, you know, the iPhone was not like the advent of just like, you know, like. The cellular phone there were other models before that and i feel like anyone in the millennial generation has dealt with all of that within the span of maybe 10 years so the green screen the green screen the blue screen the color screen yes then like then a touch screen exactly. <laughs> i was so against getting a touch screen phone until my friend was like oh yeah you know this is great you know blah 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 and then you know every phone from there on has been a touch screen iphone so but listen, um, that razor, that razor and sidekick era went hard, and the in the BlackBerry Pearl oh, that went hard I too. Loved my BlackBerry, I was so mad when I had to stop using my BlackBerry. I loved that razor, it. BlackBerry was like, BlackBerry was like, oh, we're the professional phone. Yeah, the I president has phone. a BlackBerry. <laughs> I love my BlackBerry. I, I'm with you. I love my I BlackBerry. Love my BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. I had the the last one I had was right before I went to the iPhone. It was like mm-hmm. the flip one, like the mm-hmm. like the new mm-hmm. improved mm-hmm. one. Um, I, I still have it somewhere, which is sad. I, I found it <laughs> and I charged it. I charged it like I was going to use it. Like um, I was packing and I was like, yo, look at all these phones. And I charged all of them to see if they would turn on. And they did. They still had the ringtones on them and everything. And I'm just oh like, because well, up until iPhone, up until I got an iPhone, when I would go, when you could, when you would go to the store to actually get your phone, like I can't remember last time I went to the store and ordered a phone, right? You would go and you would look at all the different options. 
because your mind wasn't made up about what you were going to buy. So you never knew what you were going to walk out with. Like, yeah, it might be a Blackberry this time, but it could have been a Nokia the last time or you could have gotten just anything like LG or whatever. And so I remember just being like, surprise me. Let's go get a new phone. I don't know what I'm going to walk out with. (laughs) (laughs) Might be anything. But now, you know, which is crazy. Now I'm like, okay, the question, the only question I ask myself these days are, do you want the new upgrade or not? Like, that's the only question. No more variety. No more like, oh, I could switch to this. They've got me with the apps, right? So now that I got Mm -hmm. these apps, I don't want, I don't want to redo my apps. Like I'm, I'm so, you know, stuck. And because I'm an iPhone person, hey, uh, when my when my family, yeah, I know, right? I'm so addicted. When my I'm addicted. My name is Doctor Amy Joe, and I am addicted. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when my family is like not in the country, right, or you're someplace, Apple has made it so easy. You can hit that good FaceTime. You can talk to anybody and everybody anywhere they are. And so, that's been our lives for a long time. And mm-hmm. now we're all on iPhone. My whole family, we all have iPhones. We like FaceTime maniacs. So yeah, I I do appreciate that. But the thing I didn't like about switching from my BlackBerry to the iPhone is that the screen is so sensitive. I be calling people that I don't want to call. And it's just like, hi, you called me. I'm like, hey, my bad. You called me multiple times. I'm like, is Dr. Is Dr. Chris calling me for real, for real, or is she like? And I have to send her she text, like, me. I just butt dialed you. I'm sorry. But then, I, <laughs> but then I'm in here like, I'm like, it's 2020. Who's butt dialing anymore? How is she managing to butt dial? How does she even do that? I How? Don't I don't know. <laughs> Chris don't oscillates know. between accidental phone calls and phone dead. Those are her only yeah. two options. <laughs> her phone is either dead. Yep. Or she called you an accident. Like, there's no in-between. The whole fiasco could be a whole other episode in itself. So. We could. We could. <laughs> right. Audience, in short, in, episode. in short, we thought she died, but she didn't die. <laughs> I have never in my life done so much investigation. I'm a good doctor. If, if I didn't know that, I hate to toot my own horn, but in that moment, I knew that I was a good doctor and I knew that I could get a good history and I could find out anything and everything I wanted to know because I found Dr. Chris when no one else could find her and I was hundreds of miles away. We thought she was dead in a ditch. We thought yeah. she was in a ditch, dead, shanked by a stranger. Right. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to figure out what my speech is going to be when I call your dad. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to be a hard one. You know, we've given out bad speeches before. You know, you just get used to it. But I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. Okay, like, when do I call? All right. I know. What do I, what are the facts, right? What do I know up until this point? I was and Amy, Amy Joe. Amy Joe is the only person to stay calm enough to figure anything out. Me, I'm over here like, I don't know what happened. Oh, my God. I hope she's okay. What if this happened? Oh, my God. Amy Joe's like, no, we don't have time for that. We got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. I'm like, you know what, Amy Joe? I appreciate you. And I'm like, I think Dr. Sunshine Amy Joe got it. I'm just going to sit here and, and just wait until she shows up. Yeah, Nona was like, she's like, just cut off from work or something. Or something. I don't know. Nona was like, I'm going to go to sleep. Y'all figure that out. Oh, my God. It felt like it felt like a cold blue had been called. Like that is what I felt like. Okay, cold blue, right? I'm like, where is she? Where is she? What's happening? Where is she? And I call Amy Joe. I'm like, Amy Joe, I, I think something happened. I think so, what something happened. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean something happened? Okay, all right. <laughs> what we're gonna do. Like, I call so many people, like I don't even know how I found those numbers. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, you were you were good. I Listen. had no clue what was going on because I so I lost my phone, y'all. So that's what happened. So <laughs> that people couldn't, couldn't find. Thought she was dead. But right. Amy Joe found her, and all is well. And Dr. Yeah. Chris is here, so it's fine. Not but only did we I really find her. I found her, her hotel. I, I knew nothing, right? I knew no information about where Dr. Chris was. I found her, her car, where was parked, the hotel she was staying in, the the last people who had seen her phone. Like she had the nerve to lose it, find it again, and for it to die. I talked to the people who, had, <laughs> I managed to talk to the people who had found her phone. Like, yeah, you just missed her. Like, hey, yes, we were partying with her, but she's not here anymore. She has her phone again. And I'm just like, what is happening? Um, it was ridiculous. There is one person that is for sure not addicted to her phone. And yeah, it's Dr. Anyway, Chris. there you go. There you go. There's our, there's our uh, topics of discussion. All right, let's get into the meaty, the meaty gritty of this, this talk. Let go. Okay. So um, as you guys have seen from my numerous social media posts, um, the topic of today is going to be alcohol. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like, you know, set it off with like a couple questions to our chocolate MDs and then kind of go into discussion from there. So I know, so in the U S you know, our, our restrictions on drinking are a lot different compared to other countries. And I feel like a lot of people in the U S they're kind of first introduced to drinking. You know, some people may be like the high school, like house party college might be like the frat, you know, the probate, or the the after party after you guys get out of the club. So kind of, I guess, I don't know, like when would you guys say would be the first time you were introduced to drinking or had that experience? Man, I'm from us, the per, us personally. I'm from the islands, y'all. They start drinking and you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Drinking. Um college. College, okay. That's my final answer. All right. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that answer as well. With Amy Joe, college. Even Dr. Though, Chris changed her answer. No, no, no. My I'm just saying, like, because my family's from Haiti, like island folks, like they don't they don't have the same, they don't go by the same laws like the US does, like age 21 for drinking. They don't do that. Like, you know, they have little dinners and the kids want a little wine, give them a little something, you know, just a little bit, but it's, they see what's happening. But I'm just going to say for me, it's college. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Fair enough. My, um, my upbringing was very different for those of my family members that are listening. They already know this. So my family actually owns a liquor store. So my grandma and my father own a liquor store together in Lauderdale, in the hood. I mean, people, they know where it's at. If, you, if you're from Lauderdale, you know where it's at. <laughs> um, so they own a liquor store. So then when I, was, when I was younger, I actually spent a lot of time at the liquor store because my grandmother actually lives right above the liquor store. So I spent a lot of time around just liquor bottles, alcohol, everything to the point where it was just like, it was like nothing to me. And then uh, family members would be in the back, like where we own the liquor store and they would come by, have drinks, talk like, oh, how's business going, blah, blah, blah. So I've always been raised around a lot of liquor, but it never was to the point where I wanted to ever try it. But it was just something that was commonplace. And my uncles and cousins, they'd be like, oh, this is this liquor, this is vodka, this is gin, this is 
this, this is this, your grandma likes gin. Like it was like casual conversation. Um, and at our house, we always had like a bar or somewhere where we always had a lot of liquor, but I had no interest in drinking it at all. Even in college, in college, when I would have actually considered maybe drinking alcohol, my dad scared the living bejesus out of me when he dropped me <laughs> off an hour. And my dad, cause my dad, my dad's a Morehouse man. So, you know, shout out to Morehouse. And when he dropped me off freshman year after he helped me move in, he's like, he like pulled me to the side, told my mom to like, wait a minute, like wait in the room, talk to me privately. I'm like, whoa, what's about to happen? (laughs) (laughs) And he gave me, and he gave me like this, like 10 minute long speech about how I should never let a man take advantage of me and how I I should never drink any. He gave me all the rules for drinking. He's like, if you leave your cup and you lose sight of it for more than 10 seconds, throw it away. If you go to a party, especially with this frat guy, you know, he gave me the whole frat talk about all the different frats. He's like, I don't want you drinking no oil. I don't want you drinking no nothing. He he like listed them all. He's like, none of that. Mm -mm." He's like, if it's in a bowl, don't drink it. If it's in a cooler, don't drink it. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So by the time we ended this whole conversation, I was like, well, I'm just, I'm, I, I think I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah like I was like, but it was, but right. it was, but it was weird because I was so young that I had like a really good time in college without even needing alcohol, and I actually didn't really drink alcohol for real until after I legit, legit turned 21, which is like junior senior year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, and then I actually started drinking like later in college. Um, so I, I consider myself to be like a late alcohol bloomer, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. No, I agree. The I mean, a lot of the um, the kind of statistics I pulled, you know, a lot of people do start. Actually, a lot of people do start drinking actually before they go into college, like kind of at the high school, you know, parties and, you know, like the house parties, like when the parents go away for the weekend, you know, they throw the ragers and, you know, all that stuff. But I mean, I feel like most of the stories come from when people start drinking, like they go to the the frat parties and, you know, like pretty much everything Dr. Sunshine had mentioned, like, you know, they have the keggers, the um, the the jungle juice, like the punch that you get from the parties. That's a lot of, that's where pretty much a lot of people get their first introduction to drinking. So I feel like the, you know, the U.S. perception when we, you know, look at alcohol, a lot of people kind of appear or look at alcohol as a means to get drunk, like to feel that sensation, you know, the whole fantasy of going to like the college party or the house party to get drunk. Like that is very much a, like an American thing to do. Um, when you go to like other countries, like, you know, Europe, you know, they typically they're introduced to inter- uh, alcohol at a younger age. So they don't really have that perception of going out to get drunk and, you know, you know, that type of uh, thoughts. So I kind of wanted to start off this talk um, about alcohol with like some perceptions of, you know, what we consider a couple drinks or socially drinks and kind of go from there. So when you come into clinic, you know, typically when we talk to you about your your history and we kind of go into your social history, we talk about kind of how much you drink and, you know, record that for the record. So there are certain standards that we look at, you know, to see how much you drink and to see if, you know, how much what you drink would be considered to be, you know, in excess. So when we ask you to clarify, please don't get mad at us. We're just doing this to make sure that we, you know, get it on record, but know that the different sizes of a drink are very different depending on what type of liquor that you drink. So, 
beer is a liquor, malt liquor is a liquor, wine is liquor, and a shot is liquor. So all of those are drinks, and they have different sizes and different alcohol content. So a 12 fluid ounce of beer is about 5% alcohol. Uh, Eight to nine fluid ounces of malt liquor is about 7% alcohol. Five fluid ounces of table wine is 12%. And a 1.5 fluid ounce of a shot is about 40% alcohol. So, you know, when we ask you part of the social history, you know, when we say like, okay, so do you drink and how much and how often, you know, I, I definitely have a lot of patients that will say, oh yeah, you know, I drink a couple stuff socially, you know, it's no big deal. But then, you know, like when we dig deeper into it, you know, I have people say, oh yeah, I drink a few drinks every now and then, but then it turns out those few drinks were a 12 case of beer five times a week with a couple shots on the weekend, which... <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. clearly I'm clearly a problem. So I'm so <laughs> glad you're talking about this because it does feel like sometimes when because I think people kind of you know I'm glad you're saying it because I feel like some people are like there is my everyday casual drinking and then there is when I know I'm going out to drink and so when you're asking them like hey how much alcohol do you consume they're like oh you know casually just here and there because the six pack that they drink throughout the week. It's just something is on their grocery list every week or every other week. It's always in the house and they always drink them. So thank you for, for breaking it down because I have many people confused that beer is just kind of zero net, right? No gain, no loss. It doesn't count, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it does count. And then there are a lot of people that actually will not count wine or, you know, like the only thing that they will consider as like a hard drink or liquor is, you know, like tequila, rum, vodka, you know, like those, those are considered drinks. But if you don't ask them about, well, do you drink beer? You know, do you drink wine? Do you drink, you know, things other than that? You know, those are still, those still have alcohol in them. And those are things that we need to know, like how much you drink, because that, that is, that will still affect your health. And we, that's what we need to know. Um, So granted we, so like, the kind of a way that we screen for this is called the CAGE questionnaire. There's a couple other questionnaires that we can use in the clinic and also in the hospital to kind of gauge on how much you drink. So the CAGE questionnaire includes four questions that uh, help us kind of determine how much you drink and is it a, you know, a detriment to your health. So the questions kind of go like this. Um, have you ever felt you should cut down on your drinking? Have people annoyed you um, and criticized your drinking? Have you ever felt bad or guilty about your drinking? And then the last one is, have you ever had a drink first thing in the morning to steady your nerves or get rid of a hangover? So if you do answer yes to any of those questions, then that kind of prompts us to kind of go more into your drinking history and to make sure that, you know, that your long-term drinking has not caused a, a problem in your, your current health. Um, Cause a lot of people think that, Oh, you know, alcohol is legal. You know, it's, you know, the U S wouldn't make it illegal, whatever, if it wasn't that bad, you know, it's, it's fine. I can drink as much as I want. I'll be good. Uh, but trust me, I literally see people every single day that come in when you stop drinking alcohol after a certain period of time, your body is not used to getting the alcohol in your system. So when you suddenly break off its supply, there's a lot of changes that will ha- happen to your body 
And some of those changes can actually be lethal. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. so really the biggest thing that we know about alcohol is that it has the biggest impact is on your liver. Your liver is super, super important that it helps detoxify your blood. In addition to making enzymes to help digest your food, um, it helps store your sugar and other nutrients. And essentially alcohol in its simplest form is a toxin. And your liver is responsible for helping to filter that toxin out. So when you kind of overwhelm your body with this toxin and it's unable to process, you know, the toxin to get it out of your system, you know, it can build up and can cause a lot of bad impacts to your liver. So I kind of want to open it up to the group. So kind of what are some ways that you kind of deal with uh, people that drink a lot of alcohol in your clinics and kind of what are some ways that you help um, help them kind of get through it? Well, I mean, for me, I just kind of feel like it, it really kind of all depends Um just having the simple discussion with them and seeing because uh, some people don't think they have a problem, you know, and just talking to them and be like, well, this is concerning. Like you're probably drinking a little bit too much. And sometimes, I mean, I don't know. I always like to get to the why. I always ask people, why do you do this? Is it social? Is it because you're trying to deal with something, you know? So like, I think just first off, like opening the conversation and trying to find out where the person is, like where they are, because if they have a problem and they don't really want to do something to fix it, or they don't recognize they have a problem, they're not going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the Really most of the time when they're, you know, in my clinic earlier on, it's just identifying like that you drink excessively Mm -hmm. because surprisingly, so you talk about the, the cage questionnaire and different things. I'm always surprised on how many of my patients have managed to get through extended periods of time of excessive drinking and nobody exactly flat out tell them Mm -hmm. it doesn't come out into a big fight or a big blow up. But most people have not had someone sit down to say, hey, can we talk about this right now in the calm of the storm to say, mm-hmm. I am concerned about your drinking? Uh, they all have stories about the fights that happened at the holiday, you know, where I just got a little bit too much. And that may be true. On the holidays, they may drink more than their normal, but the normal is what gets brushed under the rug where the normal is already excessive. So just even getting to the point where I get to tell them, you do realize that the amount that you drink every day plus the amount that you drink on special days are both too high. Many of them are surprised. Like, really? I didn't think it was that much. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also think a lot of it is just, you know, I feel like in the U.S. or, um, you know, kind of our cultural perception of alcohol is that, you know, everybody does it, you know, their I. I'm sorry, shameless plug. I do watch TikToks like almost every day. And I do see like, (laughs) I do see like different, like all these people posting like their recipes for like these drinks to get you through quarantine and all this stuff. And I am, I am for sure positive that with the quarantine, people's alcohol consumptions have gone up like a hundred percent. Like it is, it is very well known that people have gone straight to Benny's, which is a liquor store here in Chicago. People don't know. <laughs> um, and they have like just stocked up their shelves to get themselves through this quarantine. 
Um, but even with that, like that is, I mean, that's a dangerous way to kind of think of that alcohol. Again, that's the perception that alcohol is like a benign, benign, you know, drink and it's not a toxin to your body. And if you drink it, you know, yeah, if you have like three, four or five shots in a day, it's not going to do anything to your body. But that is so far from the truth. And that is not something that is advertised, you know, in the media or in your TikToks, you know, that you watch every day or that I watch every day. Now, now, mind you, I do want to bring this up because this week I actually, um, so we're all family medicine doctors. I actually just went to a conference this week. We held it virtually. It was supposed to be in Chicago. So unfortunately I couldn't go to Chicago because again, COVID. So we actually had a conference this week and we had a specific lecture about the changes in alcohol consumption of the American population during the pandemic. They dedicated an entire lecture to it. Um, and it's become so bad to the point where they're actually going to change the guidelines for alcohol consumption for men and women. So I'm here to let you guys know what the new changes are going to be. Because at one point they used to say, oh, men were allotted one or two more drinks than women. Now it's going to be standard across the board as of next year. Mm -hmm. So the yeah. new standard for everybody to know. All right. For example, for women, if we're thinking about excessive drinking, a woman you are allowed to have no more than three drinks in one day, but no more than seven drinks total for the whole week. Mm -hmm. Which means that That'll for this entire so much which, easier. <laughs> which means that for the entire yeah. week, you are not allowed to have more than seven drinks. And then if you decide to splurge on one day or this day or that one, you are not supposed to have more than three drinks in one sitting on one day. Because if you have four drinks as a woman, which would be four shots four glasses of five ounce wine. And there's like all, it's all over the internet. They're going to have nice little visuals for you guys. They're going to come out next year. So yeah, no more than seven drinks a week, no more than three in a day for women, for men, for you too, no more than seven drinks a week. And you cannot have more than four drinks in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Standardized for everybody because during the pandemic, they specifically mentioned quarantinis. OK, yeah. they've mentioned all of these happy hour Zooms that have been going on and especially amongst the population that have young school age children at home. They are drinking a lot more than normal I've to get drinking. through the quarantine. I've been drinking. I feel them. Mm -hmm. they, the, the kids are at home. They're stressed. And a lot of, you know, especially a lot of the mothers and fathers, if they used to work from home, like at baseline before the pandemic, they were used to everybody being gone. They had the whole day to get stuff done. Boom, boom, boom. Now everybody's in everybody's space. It's stressful. It's just too much going on. And they're drinking to kind of cope with the situation. And it's beginning mm -hmm. to it's getting to the point where it's affecting our entire population. Yes. So. That's and, and I think that, you know, back to the original question that uh, Dr. Nono even brought up to the group. I think that when it comes to my patients in particular, a lot of them don't know that they're over drinking. This is just their normal. So then mm -hmm. once you actually quantify it for them, you're like, hey, this is what normal is. I'm like, wow, that's it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. And you're way over that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that's nothing. Surprisingly helps. Some of mm -hmm. them will cut it down once yeah. they're like, wait a minute. Wait, where is normal? Huh. Yeah, yeah. I am really doing it. You know, I'm I'm overdoing it a lot, and you will see them, you know, later. And sometimes they have cut down. Yeah, yeah. That, that's very true. And I think another issue too is that um, sometimes it's hard to quantify. There, there are some people that actually binge drink. So, like, they'll drink a whole lot that one particular day or two, and then they're not drinking again for like months. And it's a little hard to. They also are doing excessive drinking too, because they're not allowed to drink that much 
in a you day. You are correct. You know, you are correct. And it's hard to kind of talk to them because they're like, oh, I just binge drink, you know, once in a while. And I'm like, mm. and they don't say binge drink. They just like yeah. every now and then, and then I might get drunk. Right. Right. So yeah. I like the standardization because you're just yes. like, it's so hard yep. to, it, it has been so hard to capture and educate yes. the binge drinkers because it is hard. they may be, they may get completely blasted mm-hmm. once a month. Mm hmm. And then be dry for the rest of the month. But they might do it every month. And, you know, like me and my guys get together every Saturday, every third Saturday. And, you know, that's it. Outside of that, I'm fine. But every third Saturday, your significant other or your homeboys have got to, you know, toss mm-hmm. you into an Uber, put a sticky note on you saying, you know, <laughs> pull up to this address. <laughs> when you get to this address, just kick him out and roll him over. His, his, his woman will pick him up and take him from there. And so yeah. um, that's been really hard because they don't really understand that you can still damage your liver. Right. Um, and, and, you know, really change your hormones mm-hmm. depending on how you process your liquor. I was just, you're binge drinking. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just going to say that too, because for most patients, because let's let's be real here. We've worked in the county setting and now I'm in like an insurance PPO type setting. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Nobody is making a specific appointment to see me to talk about alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. That's not how this works. No mm-hmm. one does that. Never. So so alcohol will come up when I'm talking to them about something else. Mm-hmm. When I'm or, or like Dr. Nono said, I'm asking about their social history. Maybe it's the first time I met them. I'm like, do you drink? Do you smoke? And I'm like getting to know you. Like, who are you? But If it's not that visit, there's usually something else that comes up in their history or something else I see on their labs. And I'm like, hey, are you a drinker? Because if you're a drinker, then these labs make a whole lot of sense. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not a drinker, then I need to investigate something else. And they're like, oh, doc, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh," I'm like, "Okay." so then you have the dialogue because most people aren't because they don't know that it's abnormal. The danger, because some people are going to say, I'm not there yet, so I must be okay. However, there is a really dangerous part in there, and that's the whole withdrawal phase. And so Dr. Nono is saying you see her in the hospital, but we all train together, and we've all had our fair share of alcohol withdrawal patients. And mm-hmm. for me, as, as a, as a you know, hospitalist in training at that time, there is nothing scarier than to watch somebody going through active withdrawal when they've been brought to the floor and the ICU won't take them. Ooh, and they're oh, like, yes. they it belong to so you. Bad. And and so I just want people to, and, and Dr. Nona, I'm sure you're going to get to this. I just want people to know that there is an in-between stage. And I would argue that the in-between stage is a little bit more devastating than the long-term because long-term we can see it coming. But when you come in and withdraw, the outcome is questionable. So, but I'm going to let her get yeah. to it. That's what black people call the shakes. The shakes. You got yeah. the shakes. Them DTs. But yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So essentially you're coming into the ER. I mean, I'm just kind of painting a picture here. So you come into the ER, you feel like shaky, a little bit more anxious. Um, and again, you know, at the hospital that I work at, I see this literally every single day. So you come into the ER, you're anxious, you're a little bit more shaky. Um, they give you a couple of medications to kind of help with the shakes, but then all of a sudden you kind of black out and then go into a full on seizure. Um, and this is what alcohol can do to you. So if you if you're drinking it for weeks, for months, you know, at a time and you're drinking a lot of it at a t- you know, at that time and you just suddenly just stop, you know, cold turkey. 
you know, your body is used to having that alcohol in your system. And when it suddenly does not have it, it freaks out and it freaks out in the form of a seizure. And these seizures, they can be hard to control. Uh, but we have medications available that we can give to you in an IV to help or IV is, you know, giving it to you in your blood to help prevent future seizures from happening. Um, but this kind of all just kind of goes back to the point saying that, you know, you need to kind of keep an eye on how much that you drink and realize that if, you know, alcohol, again, is not a benign drug. It is not a safe drug. It is just that. It is a drug that can lead to serious complications if you take it in excess. And you guys can talk to your doctor about it. Like if you if you have any questions or even if you hear this podcast and you're like, hey, I have some follow up questions. Maybe I'm borderline. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm drinking too much. Your doctor can actually help you through this and go on this journey with you. And your doctor might actually tell you, hey, you know, I know you saw me today for shoulder pain or we're supposed to do your physical or whatever it's supposed to be. But you can schedule a separate appointment with your doctor if you would like to to really talk about like a game plan, especially if you want to cut down and you realize that you have a lot of stressors in your life and it's hard for you to do it. You can talk to your doctor about it and they can give you the resources in case, you know, you need someone else in addition to your doctor to help you follow up with this. Or even if you just, you know, really trust your doctor and you feel like, hey, you know, we can do this together. That's great too. But you can always bring it up at any point in time. And then also I want to say, so if you, if you feel like you in this, you know, if it's you or if it's someone in your family or a friend that you, you know, really know or trust, and you notice that, you know, their drinking patterns are just kind of, you know, out of whack. They always seem to be drunk or they always drink to get drunk. Um, you know, don't be afraid to say something. Um, you can always refer them again to your primary care doctor. Um, or there's a really good website called the SAMHSA website. And they have a hotline that you can call. It's completely confidential. And from that website, you can re- refer to different local treatment centers, facilities, support groups, community-based organizations that can help kind of decrease the amount that they drink. And, you know, with the advent of uh, medication-assisted treatment, a lot of these services are available in your primary care doctor's office. So like Dr. Sunshine had just said, all you got to do is ask. Um, you know, we are not here to judge you. We are Ultimately, as doctors, we are here to help you and make sure that you are safe and healthy. So anything that, you know, when we ask you, we're going to analyze it and to give you those resources to keep you, um, you know, from getting worse or to keep you healthy. Um, That is all that we're doing when we question you. And definitely do not be embarrassed or afraid to bring that up when we take your history when you come into the clinic. Um, I just wanted to add that, um, yes, alcohol mainly does affect the liver a lot, but it it since it goes through your whole body, it literally can affect all your organs, and you know it can also cause heart de- heart heart failure, you know. And there are lots of people that come in, like I've had patients that come in and they just they have neuropathy, meaning that they have damage to their nerves, and it's because they've been drinking so much. You know, so it's not just only just affects the liver. It can affect everywhere and also could affect your brain as well. So, yes, Dr. Chris, that is something that people don't understand. You think it's mostly with their liver, but it can affect your brain, your nerves, your kidney, your heart. And 
we've seen it all the time that people end up in some really bad heart failure because of the fact they were drinking and not as because they had a heart attack. You bring up something when you talked about the brain. I will never forget this. Mm-hmm. I was a medical student. I was a medical student. And in, in, in my school, you had to go and shadow with doctors. Mm-hmm. And because I have always loved underserved medicine and I always knew I wanted to train uh, at Cook County or train like in underserved communities, I got hooked up with the system to to go. And I went to see someone um, went to go see a patient and was practicing uh, me and another medical student. We were practicing our history intake and we met someone that had confabulation. Mm, Bernicke's. Bernicke's encephalopathy, confabulation. I'll tell you what that is in a second. Um, Due to alcohol. So confabulation is a a thing that happens to the brain because alcohol will destroy how you process memory. So you lose the ability to not only remember new things, when you drink too much alcohol over time, you can damage the brain and, and really lose the old memory. And you start to do something that we call confabulation. And so the brain is kind of cool in this way um, that it will make it up as it goes. Like it remembers that there used to be a memory there and it doesn't remember what that memory used to be but it'll start putting stories in your brain that are completely made up and you (laughs) will believe them. So, you know, you may have someone that is crying their eyes out because they had five kids and all of their kids were taken by their husband and all they want to do is see their kids. And you're, you know, as a medical student, you're all into it. You're crying with them. Like, oh, that's just terrible. We know we got to get <laughs> yeah. you going. Oh, oh, the tragedy. And then you talk to, you talk to the doctor that's like helping you. And they're like, yo, she ain't got no kids. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? What do you mean she don't have no kids? Like, she's in a crime right now. And he's like, yeah, I know. But she ain't got no kids. That's what I'm telling you. And so you like talk to the family like, she ain't never had any kids. And so <laughs> when you think about it, but then when you actually like process it as a doctor, when I process it, I'm like, how crazy is that? That your brain is literally laying false memories mm-hmm. that you believe to be true because the alcohol has done so much damage that you can't identify what's real and what's fake. And if there's anything missing, it's that brain's way of trying to get back to being normal. And it'll just tell you stuff that may or may not be true. That is a very simplified way to tell you what, you know, confabulation is. But yeah, you'll be out here lying. Mm-hmm. You don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Telling all kind of lies yeah. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, medicine is just, I mean, it, it amazes me every day. Every time I go into work, it's just, it's crazy. Like yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to add one thought, which is probably be our concluding thought for yeah. this segment. I don't know. I might add this thought and everybody might chime in and be like, wait a minute, let's talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> because I'm in charge of the questions. I'm like, maybe this can be my final thought before I throw the questions. I don't know. But I do want to say that um, all liquors are not created equal. And then for my diabetics and people who have high blood pressure, mm. I need to let you guys know that these liqueurs and cognacs and brandies and whiskeys, you guys got to put those down because they're full of sugar. They will raise your blood pressure. And there's just the liquor is just made differently. So I'm talking about Remy Martin, mm-hmm. Hennessy, Crown, Irk and Jerk, also known as E&J. Yeah. Y'all got to put that. Uh, I mean, how are we called an Irk and Jerk? 
That's but, the nastiest um, liquor I've ever tasted. I'm sorry, y'all. I can't. But you I know, can't. like these these. <laughs> <laughs> Quick side note, uh, since it is homecoming week, I remember one homecoming my senior year, we actually soaked some pineapples. Like we chopped up some pineapples and we soaked them in Irk and Jerk and we ate them on the yard. Oh my gosh. It was oh, so strong. Wow. <laughs> oh, I was like, why did we do this? This contemplating is such a bad life. idea. This is such a bad idea. Now we're, now we're on the yard hugging people we ain't seen in forever, getting teary-eyed and just emotional. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, Monica's on stage. Oh my god it's just like you just like anyway i know right just all emotions going haywire but just know that like if you have these chronic conditions there are some types of alcohol that are not meant for you Mm -hmm. especially the liqueurs and the cognacs just the way that they're made they're full of sugar they're gonna raise your blood pressure all of this stuff is and i'm not saying that you have to drink vodka you know what i mean if that's your liquor of choice and everybody has their their beer or wine or a liquor of choice but those in particular they'll get you you bring up a point about diabetics, and it reminds me of one thing that we have not talked about that can affect alcoholics, and that is pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. For those mm-hmm. who do not know, mm-hmm. you got this pancreas in here, and if you drink a lot and you get a pancreatitis inflammation of that pancreas, it is painful. Mm-hmm. It is painful. It can cause so many complications. It can be a, a one-day hospital stay to a 20-day hospital stay, which might end you, which might land you in the ICU. Because when that pancreas gets inflamed, outside of it being really, really painful, it can get infected. It can mm-hmm. start to eat itself, mm-hmm. depending on how often that happens. You so can <laughs> you can die. You can literally die from a pancreatitis. And for my patients, I tell my patients that have diabetes all the time, your pancreas is already working too hard. Yeah, it is. But you can't be diabetic and an alcoholic because your pancreas is going to be like, you know what? I'm out. I don't know what you want from me. And I'm always afraid that if they get inflammation and because they don't heal well and because they're at risk of infections and it's going to get infected and you're going to get an abscess and that's going to be an ICU stay. And they, I mean, very quickly, you can go from someone that just had too much to drink to someone that is unconscious, that has seizures, to someone that has a pancreatitis. And all those things can get out of control really quickly. And I think we've all been in the hospital taking care of people that looked fine six hours ago mm-hmm. or looked fine 24 hours ago. And we thought maybe we were going to send them home. And that changed from maybe we're going to send them home to maybe they're not going to make it to the weekend. So I, sorry, 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 Dr. Sunshine. I just had to say, no, you're, yeah. you're, you're fine. Cause we can't forget about, listen, people have chronic conditions and yeah. you know, alcohol just, I mean, Dr. Dr. Chris brought up an amazing point. I'm so happy you brought it up, Chris, because the alcohol can affect all these different organs in your body. And the pancreas is over here struggling to pump out enough insulin, natural insulin to keep your sugars in check. Then you have the nerve to binge drink and your pancreas is like, what are we even doing? Right. Why am I here? <laughs> Why am I here? I'm trying to keep up. And now you're binge drinking and, and sugary liqueurs at that. Like, really? Like, you going to pummel me with Hennessy <laughs> and while I'm trying to keep up with your metformin? Like, this doesn't just this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So um, point is, just make sure you kind of check yourself and make sure that you're, you know, doing the best you can. It's okay to have it, but in moderation. And in some studies, having a glass of wine, you know, like a glass of wine a night, like a little bit of alcohol is actually protective and it's good. 
But in excess, it will definitely like, you know, be to your detriment. So you have to find your happy medium. Everybody has it. Okay, guys. Um, so that being said, I'm going to transition over to the questions. Hopefully we can do about one or two today. So the first question that was actually sent to me personally, and I gave the person a fake name. Um, so the first question is, hello, chocolate MDs. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. Uh, um, this question is for Amy Jo MD. Mm. And also, Dr. Nono, if she has any input. As a woman who has never had any diet restrictions, I have been considering going vegetarian. I would like to know how Amy Jo MD's vegan journey has been going so far since she mentioned it last episode. And I would also like to know if Dr. If Dr. Nono has any input as well for someone who is thinking about going to a plant-based diet lifestyle who has never done it before. Any website or books that you guys can recommend to me would also be welcome. Um, and I also would like to eat food that doesn't taste horrible. And she has a puke emoji. Um, <laughs> so all, all input, because apparently she's never been vegetarian before. So all input is welcome. Um, anything you guys have to say would be greatly appreciated. Amber. Aww. So let me let me make clarification for Amy Joe steals the show. Um, so I am not, so I'm not fully vegetarian. I am actually a, what we call a pescatarian. So I eat fish with my vegetarian meals. Um, I actually switched to that kind of shortly after the quarantine started just to like introduce more vegetarian stuff into my diet. Um, so for me, it kind of helped me be able to be more creative with like vegetarian meals that I'm making throughout the day and to kind of help you know, kind of help with me not having to have meat with every single meal. Because before I did that, I was literally having meat with like my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner. And honestly, at the end of the day, I just felt really groggy, really tired and just, you know, just not, not perky enough where I felt like I could like, you know, get you know enough energy to get stuff done. But you know, shortly after I went pescatarian, I have fish usually with like my uh, dinner and sometimes with like lunch. And pescatarian, for it's another term I'll probably put on the website. Um, it's pretty much a seafood, so you can you know do like fish, you know salmon, uh, tilapia, any sort of fish with any of your meals, and you know that kind of you know that kind of limits the red meat that you're uh, substituting for your meals. And for me, that helped kind of increase my energy. Um, I became more creative, like introducing just purely days where I just only eat vegetarian. And then some days I'll have like my fish, you know, throughout the week. And it's it's really helped me with my energy. You know, I did lose a little bit of weight. I'm still working on it, but I need to like introduce the exercise into it. And I'll do that later. But um, <laughs> but for the most part, it, for me, it has been very helpful. Um, and there are definitely a lot of good books out there, which I will post to the website. But I know Amy Jo went like the full vegan route for October. So I feel like she can probably talk more about, about that. How's it going? So it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. So first the, to answer it directly, the month of veganism is, is going well. So I have been, uh, I've had a smooth transition. I did not have a lot of problems, but let me, let me give you some background information. Cause I think this will help. I have been a vegetarian on and off for many, many years. So I think the first time I went vegetarian 
was um, maybe in like 2004. Uh, I was trying to lose weight. My blood pressure was elevated. I felt sluggish. And so I decided that I would go uh, what we call a lacto-ovo vegetarian. So I did not eat meat, but I did eat eggs and cheese. And I was able to lose a lot of weight. Uh, I felt better. Uh, I always enjoyed working out. And at that time, before I'd gone to medical school and before um, I was training, I was having lots of success in the gym. And so it worked out very well for me. Over the years, I've kind of jumped on and off of um, plant-based dieting. But I will tell you that I have always known, I tell people all the time that I'm a way better vegetarian than I am a carnivore. I'm a horrible carnivore. I want Harold's chicken with mild sauce every day yes. with, <laughs> with, with a great pop. So a um, great pop. Clearly yeah. from the Midwest. Clearly. I am all the way from the Why does it have to be grape? Why does it have to be grape? I mean, right. another, thank you, Dr. Chris. Why, why, green? why not orange? Exactly. No, no, it's not good either. What's wrong with y'all? What about a strawberry? You know what? It could be strawberry. It could be, you know, uh, it, you know, like a good feo. You know, any of those, (laughs) right? Isn't that the name of it? It's been so long since I've had one, but um, you know, so I'm a horrible. I'm a horrible carnivore. I I don't get enough vegetables in when I'm eating a lot of meat. I, oh, I eat too much dairy. Like my diet overall is poor. And so I learned that plant-based dieting worked better, better for me because I had more variety. Being a vegan is definitely a transition. So it feels different, but I think because my house is equipped for eating lots of plant-based meals, I had a lot of foundation on what to do. Now, let me tell you why I did veganism for the month of October. There's a lady named Tracy McWhorter. She is doing um, the 10,000 Black Vegan Women Challenge for this month, and it's still up and running. And so I signed up for it because I was listening to a podcast. I heard her speak. Um, She uh, is a Howard University graduate. Hey! (laughs) Uh, And she was talking about her journey to veganism. And so she is a public health um, person. She's also an activist. And she was really wanting black women to, you know, know of the lifestyle and get into it. And so that's why I'm doing it. So it's been great. I will try to be better at posting my meals. Every now and then I post something to be like, hey, I'm still vegan. I have not snuck and got a chicken, <laughs> y'all. I'm still hanging in there with the with the vegetables. Um, but it's good. I, I have nothing nothing bad to say about it. I encourage everyone to do it. I think it is a transition. Um, I promote plant-based diets in my clinic. Uh, you asked me about books. I would say, tra- so Tracy McCorder also has a free PDF. If you Google um, African-American guide to, African-American starter guide to vegan diet or to veganism, just put it in Google and it'll get you to the place that you need to be. There's a free PDF. If you click on the link of the free PDF, you can actually get a hard copy mailed to you. Dr. Nomo will put it on the site somewhere that, that you can get it, or we'll put it on our Instagram. Sorry, we'll put it on our Instagram account or Facebook. I'll find some way to put it up there. But um, that was one place. I have tons of cookbooks. So 
Um, oh yeah, like oh, so me and Amy Joe MD used to live together, and there's this like book you have. It's super cute. It's like the black guy. He's real chocolate, and he's eating a salad, and it's like a vegetarian soul food book. What's the, what's that yes. one? It is uh, vegan but with soul. Um, vegan but with soul. I'm yes. like this guy looks so happy eating this salad. Who is he? So <laughs> yes, listen, vegan but with soul is a good Afro vegan. I have I have the 21 day health boost. Um, I have the green print. Uh, I mean, I have so many of them. I have so many vegan and um, vegetarian cookbooks. So I will tell you that one of the things that people fear is that do, if I go vegetarian, if I go vegan, does that mean I'm going to eat cardboard? And the answer to that is no. <laughs> I would argue that my food has more flavor in it now than when I eat meat, right? So we were joking about the chicken wings, but I put mouse sauce on those with salt and pepper. Right. I play with way more seasonings when I'm making black beans or when I'm making pinto beans or red beans or when I am sauteing vegetables, when I'm adding, you know, I play with how I prepare, you know, sweet potatoes. You know, I play with how I roast my vegetables. I use lemon juice. I use lemon peppers. I use garlic. I use, you know, sweet peppers, hot peppers. There's so much more flavor in my vegetarian dishes that I think that I eat a wider variety of foods now than I do whenever I'm eating meat. And for the record, because somebody's going to take a picture of me and don't post, you know, be like, look, she ate this chicken wing. (laughs) I have eaten meat. (laughs) So most days of the week I am plant-based, which means that in a week I might have meat maybe once, maybe twice. Um, I try not to come into people's homes with the sign up saying, attention, attention, if you prepared this meal for me and you put meat in it, sorry, I'm not eating it. I am not that kind of person. Everyone on this podcast can attest if I show up in your home and your family has gone through the trouble of cooking me a meal, I'm going to eat that meal. And I'm going to say (laughs) thank you and I'm going to enjoy it and I will be fine. But if you come in my house and and I cook something or I'm eating something, it's probably vegetarian. So there's that. So shameless, answers. shameless plug to Amy Joe's fried green tomatoes. Probably the best I've ever tasted. <laughs> Everybody loves those. Um, good. Every <laughs> good. listen, I cook them all the time. Whenever I see a green tomato, I have to buy them and I cook them all the time. I love them. My grandmother made them and uh, she would not share them. So I grew up dreaming of the day that I would make them myself. So it is a, it is a dish I make often and I eat them. I can eat them for breakfast, lunch, dinner. It doesn't matter. I can eat them any time of the day. So, so for the sake of time, I'm going to say that we're just going to do one question today, but I do want to let you guys know the listeners, I'm actually looking at multiple questions that we could get to, but because of time, I'm going to say this one, just know that I see you and I have not forgotten about you. So then this gives you maybe an incentive to keep listening because we will get to your questions. (laughs) Yes, we will. And if you want to see more of my meals, let me know. Um, We have been posting them and we didn't know if you liked them or not. So thank you listener for asking the question because sometimes we just don't know if it's piquing your interest. So it's good to know that you guys are interested to see what's going on. I will do better with letting you know what I'm eating day to day. And I don't lie. So um, I'm pretty sure um, I posted one day on my personal page. I'll transition it to 
our chocolate MD page, I will post if I've had potato chips or ice cream because that's real life. And I definitely had some Ben and Jerry's dairy free ice cream. I rocked I that saw that. Bar. And I was like, how is that? How is hey, that? It's amazing. Ice cream. It, counts. It, it counts. It was like peanut butter and something, right? It Wasn't was it peanut, peanut butter and cookie. Yes, listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I would like to say, you know, if Ben and Jerry ever read this, um, I have been eating your non-dairy ice cream for many years now, and uh, <laughs> I've been a supporter. And if you would like to send me just, you know, a couple of samples, I am here to spread the news about any new non-dairy flavor you have, because I love that stuff. It is so full of sugar. So uh, I don't get to eat it all the time, which is why I can only buy it in the, well, it only comes in the small small pints but don't let it go on sale mm. you can't find <laughs> I it i love it's it gone. it's gone oh so good so yeah and amy joe kudos to you because i'll let you guys know amy joe is committed to this life because even when we were all working together she would have like these morning shakes and everything and i'm like it just looks <laughs> healthy it'd be like bright green i'm like what is in that she's like girl let me tell you what's in this shake i'm like okay <laughs> I thought it was going to be a quick answer. I guess it's not a quick answer. Fine. She'd be like, oh, it's kale and this and this and this. And she'll like list like a whole day's worth of a meal in this goddamn shake. I'm like, okay. And she'll sip it all day. She'll sip it all day until lunchtime. And then for lunch, what? Did you have another shake for lunch or you have real food? Sometimes she'd have another shake. I'm like, I can't live this lifestyle. Kudos to Amy Joe MD, because what? <laughs> yeah, because I, I never did live that lifestyle. I was just like, I need food. I, 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 I know. While me, and, while me and Dr. Chris going to Chipotle right. for lunch, Amy Joe's like, I have my shake. <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm like, you sure you don't want something? I got you. <laughs> well, you know, I tell people I'm a, I have a doctor too that I've got to answer to. Like I got to go get my physical exams and everything. And so when I'm stepping on the scale, I'm nervous just like everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. dear Lord, if you <laughs> jerk, take away those pounds that I promised wouldn't be here when I got back here at this moment, I would appreciate you. Well, I'm happy. I, I'm, I'm sure someone listening to this is, is getting very energized by this and feels the passion <laughs> that you feel. No, no. Can you please tell the people about where they can find us and about the website? I know you um, we've briefly mentioned it throughout, but can you tell them what they can look for or what they can you know, hope to see on the website rather? Sure thing. So if you guys have been following us, so our handles for Facebook, Twitter and Instagram are at the chocolate MDS. Um, and our new website is the chocolate And from there, you can see pretty much everything we post from the show. So our new episodes will be uploaded automatically to that site. In addition to, you know, like I said earlier, any new words or medical terms that we have mentioned on our site will be listed under our resource section. In addition to like any websites that we want you to go to to get more information will be listed on our website as well. Um, We also have our bios up there. So if you want to learn more information about us in general, uh, that will be listed there. Um, And if you also want to be able to contact or send your questions to us directly, there is a contact button on our website where you can send your medical questions um, that you want to be featured on the show. Um, So just, you know, type your question in there and one of us will get it and we will definitely make a note to feature it on our next show. 
And hopefully we cannot chit chat so much so maybe we can get to more of you guys' questions. I know the people who have written in questions are like, why didn't they say my question yet? But just know that you're on our radar. The questions don't go like unseen. We have like a little folder for all the questions. So we're going to get to them. So we appreciate your patience as we randomly chit chat about smoothies and (laughs) and and HBCU homecomings. I'm so sorry. I will not. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna like do this to death. But please, please, please get your flu shots. Um, we're already seeing people with COVID and the flu, um, and it is not a good combo. So the flu shot has been tested. You know it is good. So please, please go get your flu shot. Um, and yeah. All right, guys. All right, guys. We'll see All you right. guys in two weeks. Bye. See you all. Bye.